going to start out with a really disturbing sound, so just brace yourselves. Some of you will, will remember the sound. Some of you are like, what is going on? Isn't this a terrible sound? This is the sound we... It sounds like what? It does sound like a robot. That's the sound that we used to hear when we would get on the internet. Those of you who are younger, you're like, what? I know. Um, that's the sound of dial-up internet. And uh, that's the sound I grew up hearing. I remember in the mail, this disc would come and it would say, America Online, AOL. And you would put in the disc and it would be exactly like the last version of AOL, but they would send you a new disc in the mail and you would install it. And when you got online, when you got on the internet, you would have to listen to this long screeching sound for about 60 seconds before you could be on the internet. Um, and the speeds were so slow. So slow. I remember Star Wars Episode Two. Uh, the trailer came out, Attack of the Clones. I know I'm really dating myself, but it was. It came out, and we had dial-up, and I wanted to watch the trailer for the new Star Wars. I wanted. I was a huge Star Wars fan. I still am. Um, but it was going to take three days to download on dial-up for me to watch the low-resolution version of the Star Wars Episode Two trailer. The only problem is dial-up internet. If someone picked up the phone, you lost your connection and you had to start your download all over again. It didn't save your place. So my mom talked on the phone all the time. Our phone rang all the time. I went around and disconnected all the phones in the house so that I could download my Star Wars trailer for three days on our little, well, I shouldn't say little. It was a gigantic blocky computer. And so eventually after three days, I downloaded it and I watched it. And my mom was like, we haven't got phone calls all week. It's so weird. And then she figured out what I did and I got into trouble. And if you're like, that sounds crazy. That sounds like a made up story. What kind of world does the internet, like it, you get interrupted. You have to hear this screeching sound to get online. Well, I'm, I'm turning 40. And that's how things were just a little over 20 years ago, which is crazy to think about. The world looks very different today. We walk around with the internet in our pockets. It's a dramatically different world in just 40 years of life. The realization that a lot has changed in my years of life has really made me introspective. And I've been taking you guys along on this journey with me of about what I'm spending my life on and what really matters and what I wanna do with my remaining time on Earth. So three, three weeks ago, I kicked off a series about contentment. And um, our working thesis is this, becoming like Jesus, that is becoming a person of love, and finding contentment are the greatest treasures in life. If you do those two things, when you get to the end of your life, you won't be like, I wasted it. You'll be like, I've accomplished what I was here to do. So we've been talking about learning how to be content, and in week one I said most people are becoming a person by default, not des design, and our default is towards anxiety, and apathy, and angst. And in week two, we talked about our need to develop spiritual indifference, to let go of things like our desire for wealth, health, and status. These are obstacles to contentment and becoming people of love. And in week three, we talked about how we are not as content as we want to be, because we are not as generous as we think we are. And nobody punched me or threw rocks last week, so thank you. This week, though, we're talking about giving thanks and being grateful. And it's natural to start thinking about, uh, David, thanks for jumping in on slides, by the way. And if you don't follow along at all, that's okay. It's really scary back there, and you're doing a great job. 
Um, this week we're talking about giving thanks and being grateful, like I said. And this is natural around this time of year, right? We start thinking about being thankful and we think about thanksgiving because it's on the calendar. But to become people of love and people who have learned to be content, we must become people who give thanks all year long, not just when the leaves change, you know, and we start getting out the turkey decorations. We must always be thankful. We must make gratitude a consistent attitude of our heart. So what is gratitude? Researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, describe gratitude as the social glue that's key to building and nurturing strong relationships. Gratitude, they say, helps people realize that they wouldn't be where they are without the help of others. Robert Emmons, a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, um, defines gratitude as having two parts. The first is an affirmation of goodness in your life. People learn to wake up to the good that is around them and notice the gifts they already have. And the second part of gratitude is recognizing that the source of this goodness rests most of the time outside of ourselves, that we receive gifts from other people. Sometimes we receive gifts from God. In other words, gratitude helps people realize that they wouldn't be where they are without the help of others. And Robert Emmons again writes that practicing gratitude magnifies positive feelings more than it reduces negative feelings. Essentially what he's saying is gratitude makes you realize how good things are. It doesn't necessarily make the negative go away. It just overwhelms the negative with the positive. Gratitude helps you see the bigger picture and become more resilient in the face of your adversity. Now, long before scientists and researchers were examining the effects of gratitude, the Apostle Paul commended the practice to early Christians. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14 through 18. This is what Paul says. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. What does that sound like? It sounds like a person of love, right? That's what we want to become. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone. Now, Here's what we want to focus on. Rejoice always. Man, I am really good at rejoicing when things go my way. When Sky came back to us, it was, oh, I rejoiced. When Sky was taken, not so much. Rejoice always. Easy sometimes, hard to do always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, it's interesting his phrase, phrasing here. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Sorry, Josh, all in my notes here. Um, most people, when they think about the will of God, they're looking for some grand scheme, like God's like, I want you to go to South Africa and do this with your life. But what does Paul say of our life and what we're supposed to do next? It's pretty simple. What Jesus wants you to do with your life is to be thankful. It isn't so important what you are accomplishing as it is important that you are thankful whether you are changing a diaper or changing the world. Um, in my family at Thanksgiving, we would go around and we would say one thing we were thankful for. Anybody do this in your family? Like you sit around the Thanksgiving table and you're like, what are you thankful for? And everybody has to say something. And uh, my brothers and sisters love to tease my mom. So we started just saying really crazy stuff after a while just to watch my mom's face look shocked. The one year my sister was like, I'm thankful for good looking men. I'm glad that God made good looking men. And my mom's like, what? How, how can you say that? Uh, the one year my brother said, 
um, I'm thankful for the whole world covers everything, right? Nice and simple. My deaf grandfather was like, underwear, because he thought that's what my brother said. So then it became our joke that every year after that, somebody had to say they were thankful for underwear. It's a good thing. We can be thankful for that. But reflecting on my own answers, some ridiculous and some serious over the years, I think that many times I have the wrong idea about what biblical thanksgiving is, what it means to fulfill this will of Christ for us to be thankful in all circumstances. For a long time, I thought as long as I'm thankful for something, anything, as long as I can find one thing to be thankful for, I'm somehow practicing biblical thanksgiving. I'm doing what Jesus wants for me here. But biblical thanksgiving is not just finding something, just anything to be thankful for. I think anyone can do that. You take the worst person on the planet and they'll find something to be thankful for. I think it's a good place to start, but that alone won't make us into people who are actually content. Because thanksgiving has to become an attitude, a commitment to thank God in every situation, regardless of whether or not it seems pleasant or profitable to us at that time. Now, I'm not suggesting that we become like sadists or something and we're like, thank you, God, for this cancer killing me or thank you, God, for this bullet wound I got. It's not that's not what I'm suggesting. He doesn't say that we need to give thanks for evil done to us, but in every circumstance we need to give thanks. We don't have to be thankful for every situation, but we have to be thankful in every situation. And that's what Paul says here to be thankful in all circumstances. And it's really easy to be thankful in pleasant circumstances, right? We love to be thankful. Well, sometimes I even forget to be thankful in the good circumstances, right? But it's a lot easier. The reasons to be thankful are obvious when things are going well. But it is in the unpleasant moments where the things to be thankful for are not obvious that we have to work to express thanks. Those are the moments that we are formed into people of gratitude. It is in those moments we become people of love and we actually learn contentment. In the world's economy, action always follows emotion. Like, we always talk about um, things in our culture, and they're like, well, I fell in love, and so then I did these things, right? In God's economy, emotion always follows the act of obedience. It's actually backwards. You act, and then the emotions follow. If we are to feel grateful and thankful in difficult situations, circumstances that we're not immediately pleased with, we must choose to exercise thanksgiving despite what we are feeling. When I'm in a bad situation, my first inclination is not to be thankful. It's going to have to be something that I choose. Um, just like my first inclination is not to go to the gym or to eat healthy. My first inclination is to eat Krispy Kreme donuts and pizza every meal that I can. And we, I have to work against those things if I want to live and live an abundant life. My automatic response to challenging circumstances is to not give thanks. We must choose to give thanks. And then the feeling of thanks, thankfulness follows that. C.S. Lewis said, don't worry about loving your neighbor. Behave like you love them, and presently you will find that you do. Lewis was explaining that if you obey, the emotion will follow. And this is exactly what happens when you choose to be thankful, even though you're living through the very thing that you wished had never happened. Giving thanks in the midst of something unpleasant is an act of faith. A belief that a good God will somehow use this horrible situation in a good way to accomplish more good for many people. Saying thanks when your life isn't all together is trusting God to be God. Saying thanks is reaffirming to yourself that there's still good in your life despite the setback, despite this loss, despite this disappointment. Um, a few years ago for Christmas, someone a family member bought me a toiletry bag 
Um, I'm pretty easy to buy for. I'm like, board games, books. Board games, books. I say it over and over again, and people still buy me things like toiletry bags. I'm a very ungrateful person to receive gifts from. Um, but anyways, I was not very grateful when they gave this to me, and I said, thank you, because that's the polite thing to do, but they could probably see on my face that I wasn't very thankful for it. Did yeah. you say thank you, or did you say, what am I going to do with this? Okay, I said, what am I going to do with this? But I meant thank you. Um, now I've lost all track of what I was saying. Right. Was no, that's okay. So I put it away. I shoved it in a corner somewhere because I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then a few months after that, I was taking a trip. I was going to this, uh, this pastor's training conference, and I was trying to pack real light and keep everything together, and I had all these small items. And I was like, they should invent some kind of bag that keeps all your small items together and zips them up. And Darby went over to where I'd shoved this toiletry bag and pulled it out and walked over to me, and she says, they did and someone gave you one. And I was like, oh, that's what it's for. Okay. This time I was genuinely thankful for it. I put everything in there. It fit really nice. I say that to say this. We can't see the future, and the disappointing situation you find yourself in today could be preparation for tomorrow. I've had a number of painful moments in my life that I, I do not want to ever go through again. I wish I hadn't gone through them, but sometimes when I sit down with other people hurting, I am thankful for those situations because I'm not just talking into the void. I'm just not making stuff up. I know what it's like to have your heart broken. And when I sit there in those moments, I still wish they had never happened and they hurt me deeply, but I'm thankful for them because I can bring a little bit more comfort than I could have to someone who's hurting in front of me. We choose to thank him because we trust him that he knows what we need today, tomorrow, a year from now, and we don't. So we choose to be thankful. Even when we don't feel like it, we give thanks because we believe one bad thing doesn't turn off the tap of God's goodness in our lives. We give thanks because we know that God never wastes pain. We're not thankful for the evil situation that we might find ourselves in. It might be everything that we wish we wouldn't have to walk through. But we can still be thankful in that evil situation because God is still good, even if the situation we are in has not. When we are thankful for what we have, we desire less what we do not have. Discontentment is merely a lack of thanksgiving brought to fruition in our life. Are you discontent with your job or your spouse or your home or your children? Spend more time thanking God for them, and presently you will find that you are much more content with what you have been given. All the time I can see all the flaws and things, but when I actually stop to remember all the good I have, it changes the way I'm looking at them. Contentment will always follow our thanksgiving. Discontentment will always follow your complaining. Could it be that you and I are so discontent with our spouses or with our homes or with our lives or with our achievements? because we haven't been thankful enough for them? Could it be that we really could enjoy our work more and love our spouses more and relax right where God has us if we would just cultivate an attitude of gratitude? I had to cut out so many times that I randomly said attitude of gratitude in this because it's so corny and cheesy and cliche, but that one, that one got through the editorial process. Nancy Davis Coe, author of the book, The Thank You Project, says that in general, people are more cognitively aware of their headwinds, that's barriers they face, wind that's coming at us and keeping us from going forward, than they are aware of their tailwinds, benefits they receive, the wind below us or behind us that's pushing us forward. By paying more attention to our tailwinds, 
our blessings, our benefits, studies have shown that we can accentuate feelings of happiness, optimism, and positive emotions in our life. Strengthening your positive recall bias makes it easier to see the good things around you even when times are dark. Your body is designed in such a way that you're going to remember and think about the bad a lot more than you're going to remember and think about the good. Just like my body's designed to lay on a couch and not run on a treadmill, I'm going to have to force it to run on a treadmill if I want to be healthy. We have to strengthen our positive recall bias because our natural recall bias is towards the negative, not the positive. And it isn't just emotional happiness that Thanksgiving provides. Research has shown that grateful people have fewer common health complaints. They have fewer headaches, fewer digestion issues, fewer respiratory infections, fewer runny noses, dizziness, and sleep problems. And researchers right now are working out the correlation between people who are overly thankful and many of the ailments that are facing Americans. Many of these common health problems go away <coughs> when people institute a, um, a rhythm of gratitude in their life. I believe God wants us to be thankful, not because he's petty and he's like, you better thank me. You ever have one of those relatives? I had after our wedding, um, a relative got us something we did not want. It was not on our registry. We did not want it. We don't want it. It's completely useless. A crystal bowl set, you know, that might have been useful 60 years ago. I don't know. But then they spent the next, I don't know, four years asking every week, where's my thank you card? I'm not writing a thank you card because I'm not grateful for it. I'm not thinking, I know I have a really bad attitude. This sermon's mostly for me. Um, but I was like, you didn't get something from our registry. It's not something we want. We immediately gave it away. I don't want to write you a thank you card. I would have eventually got to it, but then they asked for it and my stubbornness kicked in and I was like, I will never write a thank you card for that. You know those people, though, that are like, I really want to be thanked for the thing that I did, and you're like, it wasn't that great. Like, why are you so desperate to be thanked? God's not like that. God isn't petty and desperate, and he's like, you better be thankful, or your life's going to be terrible. I'm not going to let you have a good life. No, he wants us to be thankful because it's the key to living a great life. It's the key to becoming people of love and people who are content. It's the key to living our best lives. God is trying to funnel us towards joy. That's why he's telling us to be thankful, not because he's like, I better get my thank you card for all the good I put in your life. Charles Spurgeon said, it's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. Your life would be more happy if you enjoyed the good you already have more. Thanksgiving is slowing down and forcing yourself to recognize and enjoy all the good you have, recognizing that everything you have is a divine gift. The more someone is thankful or feels gratitude, the less there is time or room for negative thoughts in your head. You can only think so many thoughts in a day, and if you train your brain to think more thankful, grateful thoughts, there's less room for negative, anxious thoughts. What is your best life? Well, what if your best life was simply the life you have now with you being more grateful and thankful to the God that has greatly blessed you? Think about the one thing that would make your life better. Maybe more money, maybe better health, maybe a spouse, maybe a new job, maybe a new spouse, maybe a conflict resolved. Until you thank God for what he has given you, don't expect something new to satisfy you. 
because it never does. Once we get that, there's some new problem to distract us from all the good in our lives. Every time I think, okay, this is the big conflict in my life right now. If I can get this resolved, everything will be good. What happens is that gets resolved and then there's a new conflict. And I'm like, well, once that gets resolved, then my life will be really good. And then that gets resolved and there's a new conflict. And I just keep replacing it with new conflicts and new issues and new problems instead of recognizing that there's a bunch of good in my life right we will become people of love when we are content with how richly God has already blessed us. And we won't see that until we choose to be thankful. We have to rewrite our mental maps from fixating on what we don't have to instead noticing and appreciating all that we already have. God is abundantly showering good into our everyday lives. And most of the time we are blind to it. We ignore it. We're distracted by our routines and our schedules. We're distracted by our constant rushing and running. But I want you to just think about these things. I'm going to read off a long list here and just think about these things in your life. You're probably not homeless. You probably have a car. You probably drove here. You have someone who loves you. You probably have someone who listens to you. You have enough to eat. You can see. You can smell. You can hear. You can walk. You can talk. You can read and write. You have friends. You can taste. You can sing. You can dance. You have the freedom to come and go as you please. You can get up and walk out of here if you want. You have the freedom to create. You have the freedom to dream. The clouds today painted a beautiful canvas. The birds were singing as I walked in. They sang a hymn today. The leaves are a tapestry of color. You are warm and dry and clean and safe. You are loved by a kind and generous Heavenly Father who laid down his own life for yours. Because Jesus lived and died and lives again, you do not need to fear death. Give thanks. Your lives and my lives are full of so much good. But every day when I wake up, I immediately think of what's wrong, not what's right. Every day our lives run over with abundant gifts from a generous God. Your life is dripping with divine gifts. Your cup is overflowing. How easily we forget. In the words of Bible teacher Beth Moore, the key to becoming grateful people is to slow down and practice savoring. Pause over anything lovely or fragrant or noteworthy or intriguing or mysterious in your day. Pause at anything at all and stop and find joy in it. Give thanks for it. Now, complaining, I think, seems to be Philly's superpower. If Philly had a superpower, it'd be, like, complaining. Um, it was funny. One of the teams we were playing, the Phillies were playing, they were like, could we, could we just ban the fans? Because they're just, they're too aggressive. Like, they're too aggressive. Um, I think complaining seems to be Philly's superpower. Just look at the Nextdoor app. Have you heard about this? It's like a local app, and just people around you are on it, and you can get on there, and it's usually like, you know, there's a missing dog or something, and people can talk about it. When I get on there, it's so funny because people are like, it's so loud. They're just complaining. It's so loud here. It's so loud. People are so loud. And then the next post will be, why is it so quiet? It's ma I, I don't like it. It's too quiet. And I'm like, well, which is it? Too loud or too quiet? They're never happy. It doesn't matter. Whether it's too loud or too quiet, they always find something to complain about. And ungrateful people overemphasize their suffering and underemphasize the provision of God. And how often is that me in my life? I overemphasize my suffering and underemphasize how much God has provided. A thankful person overemphasizes the provision of God and underemphasizes their suffering. 
Now, moms have probably heard something like this, right? Kids are like, there's nothing to eat. Darby hears this from me. I'm like, there's nothing to eat because I go to the fridge and there's no cheese. Um, and that's like, that's the only thing I want is cheese, right? Or maybe moms have heard this where the kids say there's nothing to eat, which means there isn't pizza snacks or junk food or whatever they want to eat. There might be a salad or leftovers. There might be other things. But the kids are exaggerating their reality, or husband, are exaggerating their reality of their food shortage. They're exaggerating their suffering because they don't have what they want to eat. There is stuff to eat, but it's not what they want. Whatever trial we do not turn to thanks will naturally turn to complaint. You have two ways of responding to an unpleasant situation. You can complain or you can praise. One robs God of glory, one gives God glory, one thanks God because you know somehow he's going to make good out of this, somehow he's still giving you good despite this, and one, one response questions whether or not God really knows what he's doing and if he's really involved in our lives at all. Now, you probably picked up on this in this uh, message, but I'm a master complainer. Like, I'm really good at it, and it's not a good thing. I'm an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs personality test, and uh, the J is really a big J. It's for judgmental. Um, it means I can see what's broken really easily, and sometimes that's really good. Like, I can look at a situation, and I can say, this is the problem right here. Um, I rarely do I point back at myself, but I point out at a lot of other things that are the problem. I can get to the root of a problem, but it also means I never stop seeing problems and I never stop to celebrate wins because I'm always seeing something else that needs fixed, something else that's broken. So I'm really good at complaining, but I'm really bad at giving thanks. And if I don't chart a new course for my life, I will miss out on contentment. I've spent 40 years seeing what's broken and complaining about it. What I need, what I want to do with the next 40 years of my life is spend them giving thanks for all the good I have. While my tendency to complain is high, my capacity for trouble seems low. I fall apart at the smallest change in the status quo. I'm like, oh no, what's this bill from the IRS? Oh no, what happened? Oh no. I want resilience, the ability to face new obstacles without wanting to put on my pajamas, binge watch Netflix, and eat a half gallon of ice cream. Okay, that's, that's my goal. I want a problem to be able to come up and say, okay, someone sent me this text message. This is going to be an ugly conflict. Someone sent me this letter. I've got to deal with this. We've got this situation over here. What are we going to do? I, I want to be able to face that without, um, you know, falling apart, putting on my pajamas, and eating ice cream. And researchers have found that millennials have a low capacity to deal with conflict in general. And they've linked this to our generation's increased tendency to complain, especially online. So researchers have said there's a clear correlation between how much you complain and how much capacity you have to deal with an unexpected difficulty. The more you complain, the less you have the confidence to face a challenging situation. We complain about our problems instead of celebrating our blessings. And as a result, when a new problem arises, we feel powerless to do anything. Powerless to do anything but complain, feel defeated, watch 100 episodes of Dairy Girls, and eat a half gallon of ice cream. <laughs> we complain because we're not in control. We can't change things, but we can express our dislike. It, complaining gives us a little sense of, like, I can at least have control over me speaking my mind about how much I dislike this. It makes us feel better to complain, 
It lets other know we are unhappy. And that probably explains why so many of us do it on Facebook and the media, social media platform formerly known as Twitter. But complaining produces no change, no healthy change in us, no healthy change around us. Complaining robs us of our capacity to create change. It merely makes us unpleasant to be around. It ignores all that God has done so that we can focus on the one thing that we feel should have gone better or more to our liking. Complaining reveals the fact that we think we can run things better if we were God. It robs us of our will to be involved in the world and make our problems better. Thanksgiving empowers us to face our problems and overcome them. After all, if we're thankful, we're like, look at all these abundant resources I have. Look how much good I have. Look how many times God has come through for me in the past. I can face this thing. I don't have to run from it. I don't have to curl up in the couch and put a blanket over my head and pretend that, you know, I, I can't face these things. Because look at all the good. Look at all the good God has done. Look at all the good that's around me. I can face this thing. I can come out the other side. Complaining causes us to believe our own lies, that we have too little, that we are all alone, and that the chaos before us will never end. And I believe that complaining is one of the most revealing signs of a sin-sick heart. People who are filled with the Spirit have mouths of praise. People of love rejoice at interruptions into the unexpected because they see an adventure where a complainer sees an obstacle. What happens when your day doesn't go the way you want. For me, I'm like, well, how dare this interruption come into my carefully curated schedule? This is all wrong. I've got so, no, I can't do this. Like, I can't. I've got too many other things to do for an interruption right now. When you are just rejoicing and praising and thanksgiving, you're like, what's God up to? Something new is about to happen. Me, I'm like, fire up the Netflix and buy a half gallon of ice cream because I can't, I can't handle this interruption. Complaining, um, people of love rejoice at an interruption because they're like, what's going to happen next? And a complainer just sees an obstacle, something that got in their way. I remember uh, this was, man, this is years ago now. This is probably um, 15 years ago. My family took a trip to Florida, and we lived in Tennessee, and uh, my mom and dad, brother and sister, and I were all in the car. We were about two hours out from the beach, and we were driving through Alabama. Has anyone ever drove through Alabama? Okay. It's it, you just drive through it. There's nothing in Alabama. Um, you try to get through as quickly as you can. But we were about two hours out from the beach. We were going to the beach right on the panhandle in Florida, and uh, my dad gets off the highway. And my sister and I kind of lean up to the front seats and we're like, why are we getting off the highway? We have a full tank of gas. Like, we're two hours from the beach. What's happening? My dad says, we're just taking a little detour. And I was like, why? We're two hours from the beach. There's nothing in Alabama we need to see. We, we're trying to get to the beach. And um, he goes, there's a sausage festival right down the road here. And by right down the road, he meant an hour out of our way. But Alabama uh, holds a sausage festival every year, apparently, and there are booths and games, and they give out free giant German sausages on a stick. David, I think, oh, you're so good with the slide, David. Well done. Alberta, Alabama has the German sausage festival. And uh, so anyways, we roll up to this. It's the middle of the summer. It's like 9,000 degrees outside, you know? And uh, there's a million people, and we park on somebody's lawn, 
and we go to this thing and all I do the entire time is complain about this sausage dressing. Why did we stop? It's sweaty. I'm hot. This is stupid. We shouldn't be doing this. We should be doing something else. This is making the trip longer. Nobody wants to go to this. We parked and I complained and I complained for the two or three hours that we were there. We waited in a long line to get sausage and we finally left. I completely ignored the fact that I was on a vacation, a paid vacation from my work. I was with my family. We were all healthy. We were getting free sausage. There were a lot of things to be thankful for. It's funny now, as a family, when we talk back to our favorite family vacations, we almost always mention the sausage festival trip. At the time, I was so miserable. I was so angry. I was so unhappy. And looking back, I'm like, oh, that was such a good trip. That was such a good memory. And the moment I chose to be miserable instead of thankful, so I didn't fully experience what could have been enjoyable. I missed a moment because my mouth was full of complaints. Have you been complaining more than you've been thankful? The more we give thanks, the more we will be content. The less content we are, the more we will complain. It's a cycle. It feeds each other. Complain and your contentment will fade. Give thanks and your contentment will grow. How many moments in life have we failed to enjoy because we refuse to be thankful in the midst of, midst of them? I think most Christians make their lives way harder and way more unpleasant than they need to be because most Christians choose to be unhappy because they refuse to be thankful. Your desert that you find yourself in today has many more blessings than you think, and with a simple resolution to give thanks, you can turn your desert into an oasis. You can take your focus off what is hurting or what you need and look at all that you have been given. Then you will have the faith and the energy to face what is broken and find a way forward. This isn't just positive thinking where we ignore the problem, but this is giving thanks so that then we have the confidence and the power and the strength to face our problems. But there's a warning here. <clears throat> just because you're thankful doesn't mean the situation you hate is going to magically go away. This isn't like, give thanks to God and everything gets better. It might be that God just changes your heart in this situation. But I believe that God doesn't allow difficult situations for us to give up and die. He brings us through difficult situations, not just to difficult situations. In moments where I don't have what I want and what I need seems so much larger than all the good that I have, I like to remind myself of this verse, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he gave us Jesus, he's not holding anything back. So four reflections as we end. This week, I want you to practice something very simple. Write down three things you are grateful for every day this week. When I do this, I end the week feeling much more content, much more happy than when I don't. Second, ask someone close to you to gently point out when you are complaining. Um, Darby does a great job of pointing this out for me, and uh, I, really, I really appreciate that. She's very gentle and kind with it. Um, I, don't know why, I don't know why you're laughing at that. You're probably complaining a lot more than you think. When someone calls you out on your complaining, just stop and think of two things that you can be grateful for, you can be thankful for, that you can praise. Um, 
every time you have a complaint, just say, you know what? Here's two things that I'm thankful for in that situation. Number three, write a gratitude letter to someone who has really helped you this week. There are people in your life who has helped you get to where you are. And so many times we just don't say it out loud. We don't write it down. Writing it down actually helps us think about it. So write somebody a letter. Number four, I want you to memorize Psalms 100 this week. And you're like, memorization? I know it's a little old school. It's only five verses. It's very easy to memorize. And what I find is as I memorize scripture, it comes to my mind more. Um, sometimes I'll be like, what was that again? But if I memorize it, if I memorize it word for word, it comes up and it reminds me and it becomes a part of me. And so I'm going to end with Psalms 100 just as a prayer. And then I'll be done here.